This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Man, it is so good to see so many of you. Isn't Jazz fantastic? I love that guy. He's so great. If you can't get enough of Jazz on a Sunday, you can visit him. He's the owner of Chick-fil-A up in Roner Park. Go get a chicken sandwich. Go say hey to Jazz. Tell him you love him. Eat mo chicken, if you know what I'm talking about. So, uh, boy, it's going to be a fun, fun time together this morning. Uh, hey, who's cheering for? I see some Steelers fans out here. Any Steelers fans? Three, four. Wow. Uh, who are they playing? The uh, Panth- Jaguars. Any Jaguar fans? Anybody in here who your team is already out? Can I cheer for them? Woo! Yeah. Yep. Go Bears. I know. We're all cheering for the Bears. It's exciting. Like I said, you know, my, my Bears are in a rebuilding decade, and so I'm feeling good. The 2020s are going to be our time to shine. We like to cycle every 50 years or so. We like to really hit our sweet spot once a generation. So it's very exciting. Uh, hey, uh, when you walked in and you grabbed your program, you've already been using that. We also have some teaching notes in there that you're going to want to grab uh, if you are a note taker or if you just, it's helpful for you to be able to write some things down because the truth is, as much as I'd like to think you go home and you remember everything that we talk about, most of us within 72 hours have forgotten things that we've heard. And so if you want to take some notes, take this home, maybe chew on it, think about it, talk to some key relationships, some friends, housemates, spouse, significant other, maybe your life group around this conversation— those notes are just a tool for you. Uh, if you want to recycle them, that's not really a tool for you, but you can in the back of the room. And like I said last week, taking notes is great. That's the first step. If you're not going to use them, recycling is a good second step. But even better than that is doing something with what you heard. Because we are now t- almost 20 years old as a church. And over the last 20 years, we've been exploring and watching and observing hundreds, if not thousands of people walk through these doors and some of the folks that we see walk through these doors have this, this confidence in God that as they pursue God more and more, the confidence just grows and grows and grows. And then other people who walk through our doors have a confidence in God that begins to grow and then it plateaus at certain points. So as we observe, as we watch, we've been trying to think, what are the things that cause that confidence or that trust, or we might use the word faith in God, to continue to grow, to go up and to the right over the course of your lifetime, as opposed to plateauing or dropping off. And we've observed five things that if you talk to 99 or 100 people, 99 of them would say, these five things are catalysts, are things that God uses to grow my faith or my trust in him over and over and over again. And as we talk to people who say, you know what, I've kind of hit a plateau in my trust in God, And we ask them, well, what's going on in your life? Almost every time, we'll find out that one or two or three of these five things are not active parts of their life. And so as we head into 2018, one of the things that I want for you is I want you to grow in your trust in God. Because as we found, if we grow in our trust in God, we can grow in our relationship with God. And the more we grow in our relationship with God, the more we will want to follow God. And the more we follow God, the better life is. 
It's better in our key relationships. It's better in our businesses. It's better in our finances, in our friendships, in our family, in our marriage. It's better not just for you in this church, but it's better for Sonoma County and it's better for the world. And here at New Life, we are for Sonoma. We believe that God is for this community. And so I'm telling you, as you walk with God and your faith goes up and to the right, so does this community. So what are the five things that we've seen God use over and over and over again? Well, the first is practical teaching. If you talk to 100 people and said to them, what's something that God used to really ignite or start your trust in Jesus? The first thing they would probably say is, I found a small group. I found um, Young Life, which is this high school ministry, or I found InterVarsity, this great college ministry, or I found a church, and they started teaching me not just what the Bible says, but why that matters. They would take this first century text and they'd translate it into the 21st century and explain it, and they wouldn't stop there. They would actually tell me what to do, give me some thoughts on how to apply the things I'm learning. And it just changed my life. It transformed, because I wasn't just hearing things, but I was hearing and understanding and applying. And this is key. Jesus himself could have taught any way he wanted to. Jesus taught with what the Bible says, why these letters were written, and and why they're important to us today. And then, how do we apply? Last week, we looked at the reality that Jesus says, "If if you hear the things I teach, and you do something with them, it's like building your life on a foundation, so that when the storms of life come, and they will come, I can guarantee you one thing with certainty, uncertainty will impact your life at some point. But if you want your life to not be shaken, if you want your faith to continue to grow, apply the things I learned. So practical teaching is the first one. Providential relationships, which we're going to talk about today, is the second thing God uses. If you talk to people, they'd say the name of somebody. And I'm going to warn you in just a second, I'm going to ask you to say the name of somebody. So they'll say there's somebody who God just plopped down in my life. And that relationship, as I look back, I would say it was almost providential. Or you might say it was it was serendipitous. You might say It's like God just knew and dropped them in. They'd say things like, as I was walking and growing with God, I started having these private practices or private spiritual practices. Someone taught me how to read the Bible on my own. I grabbed a YouVersion app and I got to Bible study and I was learning how to study the Bible. So it wasn't just someone else telling me what to do or feeding it to me. I learned how to kind of feed myself. Or maybe I started praying on my own with my own words. Maybe I started having the practice of giving for the first time. Maybe I had the practice of serving for the first time, and all of a sudden it started to grow my faith. And they would say, the next one is is pivotal circumstances. As I continued to grow with God, nope, I went out of order, but you're going to go ahead and throw those up anyway. As As I continued to walk with God, I had some circumstances, some good, some not so good, but over the course of that time, here's what I realized. Jesus says, I will, this is a big statement, I will never leave you or forsake you. And I had these circumstances. Something happened. And again, sometimes they're really good. Sometimes they're really hard, really bad. But over the course of it, those words leapt off the page and became real. And he really didn't leave you or forsake you. In fact, the God who led you to that moment is the God who walked you through that moment. People would say that strengthened my faith. And then personal ministry, which we'll talk about coming up here in a few weeks. But over and over again, what we find is that faith is not something that's performed or that's grown in a vacuum. That faith is not this individual thing. And 
Some of us come from church cultures where it's all about my personal faith, my individual confidence in God. And it's all about what happens between me and God. And it's just the two of us. But I'm telling you, if you really explore your story, you'll find that there are people that God used to grow your confidence in him. And I want to do something that some of you are going to love. I mean, you're going to love it. Some of you are going to hate and you're going to hate me for it, which is why I've already turned in those cards. So you can't write comments about how much you dislike what I'm about to do. I'm going to ask you in just a second. So just build your courage to turn to someone, preferably not your significant other. (laughs) I know if you need to, that's fine. Baby steps, baby steps, preferably not your significant other and give them the name of someone who you think God might have used to grow your confidence in him, a providential relationship. That's one option of what you could say. The second would be this. You're here right now and you're saying, I don't actually have a faith in Jesus. And that's totally okay. We actually created this church for you to be a place where you could come and it's safe to explore the things of Jesus and explore in a safe community what it might look like to actually have a confidence in a God who knows you and loves you. But you're right here today and you're saying, I don't actually have faith in Jesus. That's okay. I want you to think about and answer this question. Who is someone who maybe, possibly, might have just a little bit been someone who sparked your curiosity in exploring the claims of Jesus. And it could be the person who brought you to this church today or said, hey, you should go try out new life. So I know some of you can't wait to start talking to someone. Others of you are like, please, dear God, don't make me do it. But I'm going to because I have the mic. Ready? Go. Look at that. We're jumping up. This is very exciting. Apparently, you've been looking for this. All right, everybody. That's great. I asked you to say a name. They're out of control. Come back to me, people. Come back to me. Every one of us can probably think of someone. Look at you. Jumping up and saying hi. I love it. I love it. That's so fun. Virtually everyone has someone. As I was preparing for our conversation today, I thought back through my life. I thought about being a 16-year-old high school punk, just a, a punk kid. And there was this college guy named Forrest Jackson. He was the wrestling coach at our high school, and he was all kinds of cool. Even his name was cool, Forrest. Like, I'm just Kevin. But he's Forrest, ooh, and he had facial hair. I didn't even start shaving till once a week, my sophomore year of college, just to try to get facial hair. Forrest had facial hair. And Forrest took an interest in me. Like, he would come to my soccer games and just hang out. Forrest wanted to know the things I thought about. He asked me questions about life. And he didn't actually even talk to me about God in the beginning. He just seemed to take an interest. He said, hey, can I take you out to lunch? And can we just chat about about life. And then at some point, he introduced me to this group called Young Life, this high school ministry that's designed to reach kids just like me on campus who don't really have an active faith in Jesus. He said, come to this Young Life group. And my twin brother went first. 
because I wanted him to sniff it out. He, when he came back, he said, there's some really cute girls there. I said, I think God's calling me to go. <laughs> so I went for the girls. I stayed for the God. But Forrest, uh, Forrest just let me ask difficult questions. And he walked with me and he guided me. And then we started meeting weekly. He, he didn't call it a, a Bible study. He just said, hey, a few of us are going to get together and just talk about the things of life and faith. And we started doing a Bible study together. Forrest, as I look back, was a providential relationship. Fast forward to my senior year of college, I met this guy named Andrew. Andrew worked for a college ministry called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. He saw me outside one day, and I loved sharing my faith in Jesus with people, but I didn't really have a big value on community at that point. And so you'd oftentimes find me sitting outside smoking a cigarette, talking to people about Jesus. And one day I was outside, I'd ridden my skateboard. It was the late 90s, you know, ridden my longboard over, and I was having a smoke and talking to this this group about Jesus. And this one girl said, I want to follow Jesus. I said, that's great. Let's finish our smoke, and then we can go pray, and you can receive, you know, you can have a relationship with God. So fun. And Andrew happened to be walking by, and he grabbed me. He said, hey, would you like to join this group, a group of guys? And we just get together uh, every Friday morning, and we study the Bible together, and we talk about life. And so every Friday morning at 730 in the morning, I'd get there with my, my Pop-Tarts and my Mountain Dew and my menthol cigarette. That's how I started every morning back in those days. Just my, my insides are now just goo. <laughs> and we'd talk, and we'd laugh, and we'd share, and there was no judgment. There was just a, a freedom to be in process. And Andrew said to me as I was graduating college, I think maybe God is actually inviting you into vocational ministry. I think that God has gifted you and could be calling you to that. And it's the first time anyone had ever said to me that God might use me in pastoral ministry. I thought, there's no possible way, but he believed in me, and he saw something, and he called it out. And I wonder, if it wasn't for that providential relationship, would I be standing here today? Fast forward to joining our staff here at New Life 10 years ago, and I think about our executive pastor, Angela, and she has taught me over the course of our friendship that faith is both a decision and a journey. I'm a very black and white, yes and no kind of a guy. You make a decision, that's it. But she's reminded me that that Jesus invites us to follow him, to take a journey with him, and that there's space, personal space, to be in a journey with God, and that I need to give other people space to be in a journey with God. It has been a providential relationship. God has used it to shape my life, to grow my confidence in him, to see the beauty of this gathering called the church. And I could list off 10 more people. Many of you are sitting in this room that God has used. I'm guessing that like me, you have people in your life that God has used to grow your trust and your faith. And if you, if you don't, maybe you're sitting here and you would say, nope, I've done it all on my own. I'm an island. I came to put my trust in Jesus on my own. No one talked to me about that. I grew up into the fullness that God would have for me to be without any other relationships. You would say, I learned everything God wanted to show me about myself and other people and this world and life, and no relationship ever impacted me. I would say two things. One, you're the exception. And two, you're probably a liar. <laughs> that's strong. That's the only thing about me that's strong. But I'm working on it. Because I got resolutions, Sarah. <laughs> but almost every one of us would say, 
I was going through life, and I met this gal. I met this guy. I was going through life, and I got moved to a different division, and I got a cubicle next to someone. Or I had this Christian boss. Or I was going through life, and just started getting coffee with a friend. And as I look back, I didn't recognize it in that moment, but as I look back, I can see that God just kind of dropped them into my life. It was a providential relationship that grew my trust in God. And here's why this is such a big deal. Because God is in the process of continually helping us to trust him a little more. And the way he does it is he brings people around us to put flesh on what it looks like to trust God. Here's the big idea, and it's in your notes. God always uses human relationships to impact our faith in him. Now, the opposite's also true. If relationships can grow our confidence in God, have you ever had a relationship that deteriorated your confidence in God? Have you ever had a relationship and looking back on it, you were further from where you wanted to be in your finances, in your friendships, in your family because of this relationship? See, relationships can move us towards a deepening of trusting God. Or they can move us away. I would guess that every single one of us, or at least the vast majority of us, if I asked you, tell me some of your great regrets in life, they'd have to do with people. You'd say something like, I wish I had never met that business partner. I wish I'd never made that deal. I wish I'd never called him back. I wish I'd never gone on that date. I wish, I wish I'd turned around and walked away instead of staying in that conversation as long as I did. Now, if relationships can either move us towards a deepening trust in God or away from it, what is our role to play in the process? What do we do with that? Because providential relationships aren't something we can just manufacture. You can't walk up to someone after the service and say to them, hi, my name is Kevin. Nice to meet you. I would like to have a providential relationship with you. (laughs) That's just weird. (laughs) Providential relationships are almost always something we look back on and recognize God's fingerprints in. But if we can't manufacture it, what can we do? What we can do is we can put ourselves in environments that are conducive to forming providential relationships. Because here's the thing about most of our community or most of our society, our culture. Most of our culture does not care if you grow in your confidence in God. That's just the reality. At best, it's neutral, which is fine. But there are also environments that would actually be anti you growing in your confidence or your trust in God. So you and I have a responsibility to place ourselves in relationships or in environments where those things can grow. I love the way that this author of Proverbs puts it. I want to show two verses today because they actually speak to something you already know. Today's one of those messages, like I talked about last week, where if you've been here for any period of time, you'd say, yeah, I already know that. I've already heard that. And the question becomes, okay, what are you doing with it? I want to show you two passages, one from this letter from a guy who was extremely wise, who did not always practice his own advice. You ever met somebody like that? smart guy, intelligent guy. In fact, one time God came to this guy and said, I will give you any gift you want. Could you imagine God saying that to you? 
just showing up and saying anything you want. What do you want? He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for the fountain of youth. He didn't ask for all the power in the world. He said, make me wise in leadership. And God said, I'm going to grant you that, and I'm going to give you even more because of that request. Now, he was an extremely intelligent person, very wise. The problem is he didn't always practice what he taught. But here's what he said. And at the end of his life, he actually looks back on some of these passages that he shares. And he says, I wish I would have followed my own advice. His name's Solomon, and he says this. It's from a letter, a group of sayings called the Proverbs. A proverb is simply a, a saying that is like most of the time. If you want to hedge your bets, if you want to play the odds, most of the time this is true. He says this, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. This is not a command. It's an observation that Solomon is making. His observation is, if you choose to walk with wise people, people who are making wise choices, they'll rub off on you. Over time, you will become wise. But the opposite is also true. If you walk with fools, which is a strong statement, he's talking about unwise people. If you walk with unwise people over time, they will rub off on you. And it will lead you down foolish paths. There's a guy named Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament. But before Paul was a faith growth expert, before he was a church growth expert, Paul was a hater. He hated Christians with a passion. He hated Christians so much that he'd go to their small groups and he'd pull people out and he'd throw them in prison and he'd have them murdered. This is the kind of guy that was like super anti-Jesus follower. If you're here today and you're like, I can't stand Christians, listen to Paul, you're in good company. He couldn't stand Christians. And then he encountered Jesus and it changed everything. You could be here today and you're thinking, I don't know about church. I don't know about these Jesus followers. They say one thing, they do others. Yeah, welcome to human beings. <laughs> but we recognize it, we acknowledge it, and we do our best to walk in wisdom. But be careful because the more you come, you might just have an encounter with Jesus and it might just change your life. So Paul, who was this hater, became a Jesus follower, and a faith growth expert. And he says something that every single one of us wants to hang in our kids' rooms because we know it's true. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, do not be misled. Why does he say that? Because there's a chance you and I would be misled by what he's about to say next. We just don't always get it. So he says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. But if you're a product of the 70s, you're saying, yeah, but they have some really good music. Some really good music. But they corrupt good character. Now, if you're not a product of the 70s, don't throw that away. Bad company. There was a band. Okay. He gets it. Don't every one of us want to hang this in our kids' rooms? Tell our kids, don't be misled. Your friends matter. They will lead you down a path. That's why good parents know where our kids are after school. We know who they're hanging out with. We have their friends over. I volunteer my kids' classes partially because I love volunteering, but it's not altruistic. I want to know who these kids are. I want to know who's going to be coming to my house at some point to ask my daughter on a date. I want to see them from an early age, and I want to shape them towards paths of wisdom. Come on. 
People ask me, are you going to get a gun, you know, when your, when your daughter starts dating? I said, no, man, I've got the Bible. They call the Bible the sword of truth. I'm just going to put someone up here. I'm going to slash this kid with a sword. I'm not, bam. I'm just kidding. I dated a pastor's daughter one time before I was a Jesus follower, and this is a side story, but he was the nicest man, big teddy bear of a man. He had a very soft, relaxing voice, which is why I fell asleep in his church quite often. (laughs) Then I started dating his daughter, and this very kind, loving, nice man, when I went to the door to pick her up, he was not happy to see me. (laughs) And he was terrifying, terrifying. It did not work out. (laughs) Praise God. Because I got Maria, hey. (laughs) Speaking of Maria, let's talk about Maria. Imagine with me for a second, if Maria and I get into a discussion, and if you're new to church, discussions are what Christians call fights. Imagine Maria and I get into a discussion one night, and it's a fight, and it's 90% my fault. Can we just all agree that it probably is? You've known me long enough to know it's probably 90% my fault. Maria storms out of the house. It's a Friday night. Let's say we were getting ready to go on a date. So she's looking, smoking hot. She goes out. She goes to her friend's house. You know what I don't want her friends to say right there? Kevin is a jerk. Dump the chump. Leave him. You could do better. You're only a certain age. Start over. Find somebody new. Hey, we're going to a club. Let's go dancing together. I do not want Maria's friends saying that when she and I are in a fight. What do I want her friends to say? What would you want your spouse's friends to say? That's really hard. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it sounds like Kevin, Kevin really was in the wrong. He was, he, was, he was a jerk. Hey, do you think you have any part to play in that conversation too? Here's what I know about Kevin. Kevin deeply loves you. Here's what I believe about you guys. You guys can work it out. And in fact, I'll even go to your house with you and insert myself into that conversation to help you work it out. Do you see the power of friendship? A few providential relationships like that could be the thing that God uses to save a marriage. A few unhelpful relationships could be the thing that puts the nail in the coffin. God uses people to grow our trust in him. And if this principle can work for us or against us, two questions we should be asking ourselves today. If the church is going to help me grow my confidence in Jesus, which by the way, That is our vision as a church. Lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Seems like a pretty good vision. Lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We should be asking ourselves, what's the church's role? And we should be asking ourselves, what's my role? Let me start with the church's role. The church can't guarantee providential relationships, but we can create environments that foster relationships. Which is why in 2017 and now again in 2018, we are working tirelessly to help form groups, places for relationships to happen. Which is why I say over and over again, circles are better than rows. 
Rows are great. I make my living communicating to people in rows. I love your smiling faces. You are a wonderful group of people, highly attractive. I love being with you, very intelligent. That's why you chose new life. I love it. But this will only take you so far in your journey. Eventually, the jokes are going to get old. The teaching's going to get worn out. He'll put on a red hat and say, we want Pastor Ron, make new life great again. I know what'll happen. I've been there. That's too much, too soon. That's funny, though. That's good. I'm going to get in so much trouble. If you don't form providential relationships, you will plateau. And you'll begin to think, I think it's the church's fault. Ultimately, our responsibility is to create space for you. Your responsibility is to take advantage of it. That's why we have these life groups. We work tirelessly to form groups, not because groups are perfect, not because groups are the, the greatest thing since sliced bread. We form groups because they get you in circles with other people and give you a chance to meet some people who might become, maybe one out of those eight might be a person God uses to form a providential relationship. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe you find a different group. About two and a half, three years ago, we recognized that the key thing that life groups do, these small groups that we have, the key thing they do is they help us form healthy relationships with God and healthy relationships with people. We said to ourselves, how can we maximize that? How can we make sure that we have groups that are helping us form healthy relationships with God, healthy relationships with people? We said, well, one of the things we're going to do is we're going we're to kind of pull in the smorgasbord of things that we are exploring in groups so that we can focus on healthy relationship with God, healthy relationship with people. And it's been really good. You guys are getting it. You're getting community. We are understanding it. My life group is a place where I form some of those providential relationships and I hear stories in your life as well. But we have experienced over the last couple of years that there's probably a little more freedom in how we grow in that healthy relationship with God in the context of people. So one of the things that our life group mentors team and I have been discussing is what if we moved away from being only message-based groups? Don't applaud, okay? Just, just listen to what I'm saying, because some of you are like, my prayer request, my prayer request got through. Like, please, God, let them do what I want. I know your prayer requests. I read them. We said, well, what if we didn't just do message-based groups, but what if we had message-based groups and, and book of the Bible study? And what if we had topic-based? What if you're in a group with five other couples and three of those couples, their marriage is on the verge of split? And you said, we're going to go ahead and call a pause right here, and we're going to study what God says about marriage for the next eight weeks. And then we're going to go out for coffee, and we're going to talk about it, and we're going we're gonna, to, with God's, by God's grace, we're going to get you back on a track towards unity and oneness. Or what if you're in a group and five of the seven of you have no idea what you want to do with your life. Like, I'm just spinning. We said, well, let's stop looking at the message-based groups for a while. Let's look at what God says about vocation and calling and understanding what we were designed for. So as we head into the spring of this year, coming up after Easter, we're going to actually be expanding the selection of things you can look at in groups, but we're going to keep insisting that they be places to form healthy relationships with other people because God uses relationships to grow our faith in him and healthy relationships with God, which leads me to something, and I want to check in with you. I want to make sure I have. I do. So exciting. What's well, something you can do? Well, our dream is that there would be a group for everyone, that there would be space for everyone, that if you wanted to get into a life group, you could. 
But that's currently not our reality because we don't have enough facilitators to facilitate group life. I dream about having enough people to facilitate group life. We don't currently have it. So for the next two and a half months, we're going to be inviting people to consider being a life group facilitator. And then our mentors team or myself will meet with you. We'll just have some conversation about where you are in your journey and how that might benefit you, how that might benefit a group. Then we'll give you some training to equip you to do the thing that you want to do. And then if God is in it, and I believe he is, come Easter and then the weeks after, we're going to open up a whole bunch of groups, 15, maybe 20 more life groups. But you know what that means? We, that means we're looking for God to stir 15 or 20 people to be life group facilitators. So in your program, there's a little quarter sheet that says life is better connected. On there, it says, I'm interested in facilitating an adult life group. Go ahead and pull that out. If you're interested in it, would you just mark that down and put your name and email? You're not signing up. You don't have to like you're not signing in blood. You're just saying, I'm interested. I'll explore that with you guys. I'm hoping that God actually really does some cool stuff that a number of us, 10, 15, 20, 30, 50, I don't know, of us open this up because I believe that relationships transform lives. So would you do that? The other thing that I'm really excited about is if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I really do mean it when I say we created this place for you. I believe that we should be reaching people who are, let's say, I'm unchurched. I don't have a relationship with God. I believe that we should be creating environments and spaces for you to have a conversation about faith, a real conversation to ask real questions. And so coming up in the spring, I'd like to be launching these groups called Starting Point. And these groups are simply groups where you could ask real questions and have real conversations. It's not a pastor lecturing you. It's not a speech. It's actual conversations about faith to get your questions answered. And I'm looking for some people who love people. If you're people who love people, I'm talking to you. If you're people who don't really love people, you can go ahead and turn it off for a second. We're going to help you love people more as time goes on. But if you're people who love people, that next thing is for you. It says facilitating a life group for people who are exploring faith in Jesus. Every one of us at one point was exploring faith in Jesus. I'm trying to create some groups for that to happen. But I'm going to need some people who love people to facilitate those groups. If you are interested in that, mark that down. What I'm going to ask you to do at the end of service is drop them on a basket by the back doors. And Andrew, our awesome guest service intern, is going to put some baskets at the back doors in the next five minutes as we wrap our time up together. I feel like that pastor, as the worship band comes on stage to play. Cue worship team. No, I'm just kidding. Andrew, that'd be awesome. You're the best. I'm going to ask you just to drop that into the basket on your way out the door. You know what I'm also dreaming about? I'm dreaming about, that was going to be really awkward. I was going to say, I'm dreaming about kids, which is awkward. I'm dreaming about creating a space for our youth and our children to have authentic relationships. I've got an element, two elementary age kids right now. I'm dreaming about a time when they'd come into church on Sunday and they'd have a small group that they're in every week with the same one or two adults who are facilitating that small group as part of their Sunday morning worship experience so that they're known by five or six other kids so that they're known by one or two teens and adults who are there every single Sunday with them, by the way. So that every single Sunday when they walk into first service, that same adult is there saying, Maddie, Landon, I'm so glad you're here. I'm dreaming about a group of key volunteers who love kids so much that they're going to walk with kids through the stages of their lives. 
So you'd be a first grade small group leader with a group of eight kids, then a second grade small group leader with that same eight kids, third, fourth, fifth. Could you imagine by the time a five-year-old becomes a 15-year-old, if they had the same adult influence in their life for 10 years, pointing them towards Jesus, partnering with you as parents, could you imagine the kind of faith that would grow? I'm dreaming about that. I'm hoping in 2018 that we can make that happen for our kids because I love, I love our kids and I love the kids of this community. I want to see it happen because God uses relationships to transform lives. So we're creating environments. That's our job as a church to help you grow in your faith. Your job is to take advantage of it. If God's been nudging you to go to coffee with somebody, go to coffee with them. You've heard about groups forever, and you're like, ah, groups aren't for me. It's kind of inconvenient. I got to go out, uh, you know, 7 o'clock on a Tuesday night or 7.30, even worse, on a Thursday morning. Dear Lord, who gets up at 7.30? I understand. But I'm telling you, if we create the environment and you don't show up, you know who loses? Everybody loses. You lose because you're missing out on the opportunity for a key relationship. That group loses because they're missing out on your voice. And I'm telling you, God uses people to transform lives. Our world loses because we need women and men who are so invested in their trust in God that it changes them, that it changes their immediate family, that it changes their workplace and their neighborhood and Sonoma County and the world. This world is waiting for you. And if you want to grow in your faith, In 2018, I'm telling you, people are going to be key. People are going to be key. No man is an island. Every one of us needs some key relationships. Would you join me as we pray? Jesus, would you show us what it looks like? As a church leadership, as a church community, would you show us what it looks like to create environments that are conducive to providential relationships forming? As individuals in this gathering, would you show us what it looks like to be available to you to facilitate those types of groups so that providential relationships could form? And would you show us what it looks like to be available in our personhood to others, to keep our open sign on, a sign that says, I'm open to relationship, I'm open to connecting. God, would you use people to help us grow in our confidence in you. May we look back at the end of 2018, and as we look in the rearview mirror of our lives, will we be able to say, yeah, you know, there were one or two people that God used this year to help me trust him a little more. We're looking forward for that, Jesus, because we want to walk with the wise and become wise. We want to take the wisdom that you're showing us and put it into practice in our lives. We love you, God. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.